2: America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast, it's baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. A
1: fantastic Friday to one and all. Welcome into the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again, and I'm going to be coming at you with a great guest in the second segment, Eli Hershkovich of Radio.com. He's a producer over there. He pretty much heads up all their gambling content. He is going to be joining me to break down Friday's slate and just talk a little bit about how he uses fielding, independent, and those kind of metrics in his betting. So that's going to be a lot of fun. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on Friday's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call a touch of mall. Did not receive any Twitter questions into the Twitter mailbag. As always, if there's something that you'd like me to address on the podcast, tweet it in at gnrscourty1. Please do not DM them because it will fall into a wasteland in which it will never be found. So... Without further ado, let's take a look back at yesterday's results, try to find some trends and try to become better handicappers from it.
2: What trends should you pay attention to? Well, Greg is going to tell you what he has on the black. The
1: Miami Marlins continue to win games. I believe they're now 27-27 to 27 in their last 54 games. Considering this team is an underdog in just about every one of their contests, that's actually pretty darn good as the Miami Marlins were able to get a quality start out of Caleb Smith. He winds up going five innings, giving up two runs. You had De'Ron Guerrero give up a run out of the bullpen, but The bullpen itself goes four innings, giving up one run. The bullpen play of the Marlins has been much improved. And a guy that I can continue to not back is Denelson Lament, Now, two of the runs that he gave up of the three in his four innings were unearned, but still, this is a guy I have no faith in. He wound up giving up a home run to Harold Ramirez. Ramirez is fourth of the year, and then you actually got some good bullpen pitching from the San Diego Padres. Trey Wingenter gives up the winning run in the ninth inning, but Matt Stram was able to give an inning strong. Craig Stamen was able to as well, and then they were able to get two nice innings out of Andres Munoz as well, so... Things might be turning around in that regard for the Padres, and they did get a home run out of Fernando Tatis Jr.'s 15th. And by the way, he is a very good leadoff hitter if you have not seen much of him. If you have not seen much of the L.A. Dodgers, I don't know where you are, but the Philadelphia Phillies were able to take them down by a count of 7-6. to six. In this one, Aaron Nola certainly did not give his best start as it looked like both these teams were tired, and it looked like the pitching was as well after... The game last night wrapped up right around 1.35 a.m. Eastern, and then they had a game less than 12 hours later. For Nola, he goes five innings giving up four runs, all of which were earned, including three home runs, For the Dodgers, going deep off of Nolan Kike Hernandez, not once but twice for his 15th and 16th of the year. You also have Matt Beattie go deep for his fourth, and then Hector Neris also gave up a run on the bullpen for the Phillies. That was to Alex Verdugo. That is his 12th of the year, but all in all, the Phillies' bullpen wasn't too bad. Four innings pitch, they gave up two runs, including that Neris home run, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, they were just really able to do a good job of playing a little bit of small ball in this one, four of nine with men in scoring position, and it was a little bit of an unlikely source that gave them their lone home run in this one. Adam Hazili, his first home run of the year, and that came off of Ross Stripling, and Stripling, not a bad start in this one. Five-inning switch, he gives up three runs, two of which were earned, but the bullpen of the Dodgers continues to be an issue. Caleb Ferguson gives up two runs without recording it out. Dylan Flora records one out, he gives up a run, and Joe Kelly records just Two outs, he gives up a run himself. So that is something that certainly is not going well for the LA Dodgers. The Boston Red Sox had their bullpen and their starting pitching working on this day as they were able to get a five to zero win over the Toronto Blue Jays for Chris Sale. He was absolutely spectacular. The least profitable pitcher in baseball was not that on this day as he goes six innings, doesn't give up a single run, and just two hits for that matter, and he strikes out 12. Marcus Walden winds up finishing off the job from there, and for the Boston Red Sox, they got a pair of home runs. Rafael Devers is 19th of the campaign, and Mookie Betts is 14th. As for the Toronto Blue Jays. Thomas Pannone gave a not-so-good start. He looked good as a starter last year, this year hasn't gone so well for him. Four and a third innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Gotta give the bullpen credit though. Three and two thirds innings. Derek Law gave up a solo home run in that, but all in all, the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen is looking pretty good, but their offense, ever since the All Star break, well, it has been pretty darn anemic. They have scored four runs or fewer in their seven games since the break. Going into the break, they had scored five runs or more in 12 out of their last 15 games. The White Sox have not been getting the bats going ever since the All-Star break, but they actually got a little bit of offense against the Kansas City Royals. It just wasn't enough as the Royals get a 6-5 win. Have to be encouraged for the White Sox that Johan Moncato was able to go deep. That was his 17th home run of the year, and that was off of Ben Keller, who has now only given up three home runs in his eight home starts so far this year and was pretty good in this one. Six and a third innings. He was hurt by a a little bit of fielding mishaps by the Royals as he gave up four runs, but only two of which were earned. And then you did have Ian Kennedy give up a run out of the bullpen as well for the Kansas City Royals. But you also had Chesler Cuthbert hit a home run, his sixth of the campaign. And then Jorge Soler is 26th as Ross Detweiler just got completely imploded upon for the Chicago White Sox. White Sox bullpen has been pretty good. Everyone outside of Lucas G. Lito for their starters. Awful, and Detweiler winds up recording a grand total of seven outs, giving up five runs, all of which were earned, including those two home runs. And then from there, the Chicago White Sox bullpen winds up being able to cobble up five and two-thirds innings, giving up one run in the process. And that was by Dylan Covey, who, guess what, failed starter. The Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees hooked up for a double dip as it was the Yankees being able to win both and keeping both under the total. The game one was a 6-2 win as Yoni Chirinos gets another under for his record. He, I believe, has started 14 games and 11 of them have went under. He went five innings in this one, giving up five runs, four of which were earned. And then from there, the Rays go three innings out of the bullpen, giving up just one run. The bright spots for the Rays were two solo home runs. Austin Meadows, his 15th home run of the year, and Yandy Diaz. His 14th, as both of those came in the first inning off of Domingo Herman, who has been a solid starter since coming off the injured list for the Yankees. Now a 12 and 2 record, so. Clearly, he's winning games. He gave up just those two home runs in six innings. In six innings, And then from there, Tommy Kane, Lee, Zach Britton, David Hale all give an inning of relief without giving up a run. For the Yankees, they hit a pair of bombs in this game themselves. Aaron Hicks and Gio Urshela both had their ninth home runs of the year. And then game two of this set was the Yankees being able to get a 5-1 win as Charlie Morton. One of his lesser starts of the year, five and two-thirds innings. He gives up five runs, all of which were earned. I believe out of his last 25 starts, he's lost three decisions, but all have come within his last eight starts, so perhaps some regression there. And then the Rays were able to get Adam Kittrich and Oliver Drake to give 7 outs without giving up a run. And for the race, just nothing doing with men on base. 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. 10 men left on base. And you got to give a tip of that to the Yankees wholesale staff. Chad Green, whenever he is the opener for the Yankees, the Yankees are 8-0. So that is a hot start right there. Nestor Cortez Jr. and Luis Sessa both go 3 and a 3rd innings after... Chad Green gave it his open, and then Adam Montavino was able to close the door. And for the Yankees, Luke Voigt was able to go yard in this one off of Charlie Morton, his 18th of the year. So it seems as though the Yankees' overs are drying up, but certainly not the wins, and a team that is not drying up with regards to overs or wins is the Cleveland Indians. They take down the Detroit Tigers by a count of 6-3. to three. For the Detroit Tigers, you did get a couple encouraging signs, and those will be home runs from Nico Goodrum and Harold Castro. For Castro, second of the year, and Nico Goodrum, his eighth, as those both came off of Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer has been a little bit all over the place, but in this one, more of an average start. Six and two-thirds innings, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. And then the Cleveland Indians, who have the best bullpen ERA in the, out there in the big leagues, able to clean up the last two and a third innings, not giving up a single run in the process and for the Indians they had a couple guys go yard themselves Jose Ramirez seems to be finally getting things right at his ninth home run the year and Jordan Luplo is 10th as the struggles of Matthew Boyd continue in every one of his starts since the beginning of June he's given up at least three runs He went, in this one, six innings, giving up five runs, all of which were earned, including those two home runs. From there, the bullpen was able to clean up the last two innings and not give up a single earned run in the process. So Trevor Rosenthal, newly acquired with his 728 ERA, gave up an unearned run, but getting back to Boyd, this is a guy you've got to be fading until further notice. He just keeps on giving up the runs, keep taking the over, and keep taking the other side because he clearly is not himself. A team that was not themselves on Thursday were the Cincinnati Reds. They lose to the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 7-4. to four. For the Cardinals, they get back-to-back days where they get six-plus runs and seemingly an eternity, and they were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Paul DeYoung was able to go yard for his 14th home run of the year, and then at the leadoff spot, Tommy Edmond had his fourth of the campaign as the Cardinals. Got a decent start out of Dakota Hudson. Nothing great, nothing awful. Five innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned, including a home run to Eugenio Suarez, his 24th of the campaign. But the St. Louis Cardinals seem to be really hanging their hat on bullpen pitching. John Gant gave up a run while recording just one out, but all all for the bullpen. Four innings pitch, they give up one run. That has been going well for them. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Tanner Roark actually gave a good start in this one. It was actually the bullpen that let them down. Five innings pitch, gives up two runs, including one of those home runs, but getting just two outs and recording five runs in the process. Robert Stevenson, this is a Cincinnati Reds bullpen that has been pretty reliable all year long, which is why they're the top underteam out there in baseball. He just really gave it up, and it led to the St. Louis Cardinals being able to get a little bit of a plus money win. Julio Tehran was scratched just before his start against the Atlanta Braves, and taking his place was one Kyle Wright, and it didn't go well for him as the Nationals just completely bombed the Atlanta Braves by kind of 13-4. You got to note this. Steven Strasburg off of the reliever Tukey Toussaint in the third inning gets a home run. His first of the year, he had five RBI in this one. He entered for the year having just one and obviously a pitcher with five RBI is pretty special, especially considering Strasburg wound up giving up just three runs himself and five and a third innings, so he created two more runs than he gave up And the Washington Nationals bullpen, though it looked bad against the Baltimore Orioles a few days ago, didn't look bad in this one. They go three and two-thirds innings, give up just one run in the process, certainly can live with that, but for the Atlanta Braves, you can't live with Kyle Wright. Being able to record only 8 outs and giving up 7 runs in the process. Tukey Desant gave up that home run to Steven Strasburg. He goes to in the 3rd innings giving up 3 runs. And then A.J. Minter gave up 3 runs in an inning. Tip of that to Charlie Culvertson, position player. Winds up pitching the ninth inning for the Atlanta Braves. Did not give up a single run. And this for a Braves bullpen that entered into the week one of the top 6 in regards to ERA in the big leagues. Lone bright spot for the Braves. Nick Markekis gets his ninth home run of the year. Lots of bright spots for the Minnesota Twins as they were able to pull away from the Oakland A's late with a 6-3 win. For the Minnesota Twins, the difference maker in this one was Eddie Rosario being able to go deep off of Yasmero Petit in the 7th inning. His 21st home run of the year, and then from there, the Minnesota Twins in the 8th inning got some insurance. CJ Krohn is 18th home run of the year, and Mitch Garver is 16th. As for the Oakland A's, Mike fires once again, a pretty good start. He was let down a little bit by some of the calls of the home plate umpire, but he goes six and a 3rd innings, gives up 3 runs, all of which were earned. Yasmero Petit takes a loss, though. He wound up giving up that run to Rosario in the 7th, and then Lou Trevino had some issues himself giving up back to back solo home run. He gets two outs, gives up two runs in the process. And for the Oakland A's, Jerickson Profar seems to be getting online with his bat. In the sixth inning, he got a home run out of Kyle Gibson, his 14th of the year. And for Gibson, a pretty good start. Seven innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. And then Taylor Rogers was able to go two innings to be able to get a six-out save. So the Minnesota Twins were able to get back on track after they've been looking a little bit shaky after the All-Star break, a team that has been up and down since the All-Star break. The Houston Astros, they get their second straight win over the LA Angels by a count of 6-2. to And for the Houston Astros, one of the men that was injured and on the injured list for so long was George Springer. He looks to be back and fully healthy. He gets a home run off of Matt Harvey, his 22nd of the year, and Alex Bregman also took Harvey deep. His 25th, Matt Harvey, was actually able to give 6 innings in this one, but he just got exploded upon giving up Five runs in the first three innings. He goes six innings totals giving up six runs and then from there you were able to get three innings of relief out of Jake Jewell who didn't give up a single run so that was able to save the bullpen of the Angels and for the Houston Astros. Wade Miley was able to make a big climb and he was having a party out there in Los Angeles. Five and a third innings gives up two runs, just one of which were earned on three hits. And then the bullpen of the Houston Astros, able to combine for three and two-thirds innings, not giving up a single run in the process. The Milwaukee Brewers were able to get another win, their third straight against the Arizona Diamondbacks to climb back right in the thick of the wild card picture. 5-1 the final in this one as the Milwaukee Brewers were able to get a home run out of Ryan Braun late to be able to provide some insurance. That was his 14th of the year. Zach Davies, after having a little bit of a rough go of it in early June, seems to have really found himself once again. Seven innings pitch, gives up five hits, one earned run. From there, Jeremy Jeffries and Matt Elbers provide two innings of relief, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, just not a lot doing. They want one of six with men in scoring position, and Merrill Kelly gets another good start in this one. Seven innings pitch, he gives up one run. You certainly shouldn't be fading Merrill Kelly at this point, ever since June. He's actually been a pretty good pitcher, but the Arizona Diamondbacks might be worth fading. TJ McFarland winds up giving up that home run to Ryan Braun, but he records five outs giving up one run. The man that has really come back to earth with his average as his ERA has risen nearly a full point in the past few weeks is Yoan Lopez. He gets one out, but he gives up three runs, all of which were earned in the process. And we do have one game that's currently going on as I do this podcast, and that is because it is in the 13th inning as the New York Mets And the San Francisco Giants are all tied up at one. Needless to say, lots of blown opportunities for both these teams, but they both got quality starts. Noah Syndergaard, 7-innings pitch, gives up just one run in the process. He seems to have really rectified himself. And how about Madison Bumgarner? He went 9 innings, giving up one run. Only 94 pitches in the process, by the way. And both bullpens have been stout. The Giants so far have gotten 3 scoreless innings out of the bullpen. The New York Mets might be finally getting something out of their bullpen as well. Five innings pitch from them. Has not given up a single run. And right now both these teams not doing well with men in scoring position. The New York Mets one for six. The San Francisco Giants one for nine. This for a Giants team that has been recently white hot with the bats. So What did we all learn out there from Major League Baseball on Thursday? Denelson Lumet, still a guy that you can't trust for the Padres, but the Miami Marlins continue to cash tickets as an underdog. Aaron Nola certainly does not do well when he gets short rest, but the LA Dodgers bullpen was able to bail him out. The Blue Jays seem to really be coming back to earth with regards to their offense. The Kansas City Royals continue to get wins at home whenever Brad Keller is starting out there in the lovely city of Kansas City. The New York Yankees just continue to own the Tampa Bay Rays. That's all that needs to be said there. The Cleveland Indians are getting their bats going and you've got to be fading Matthew Boyd whenever he starts for the Detroit Tigers. The St. Louis Cardinals might finally be getting online with their bats and perhaps there's a little bit of regression coming for the Cincinnati Reds bullpen. The Washington Nationals are finding out who their next best hitter is in Steven Strasburg and they're Also continuing their hot streak. I believe that they have now won 28 out of their last 40 games. The Oakland A's are still white hot, but the Minnesota Twins still not chop liver themselves. Zach Davies is giving the Milwaukee Brewers some great starts, and the Arizona Diamondbacks continue to struggle with their bullpen, and the LA Angels still have a untrustworthy starter in Matt Harvey, but the Houston Astros look to be healthy and really ripping the ball on offense. So, that was Thursday. Now let's turn the page forward to Friday. Let's talk about the games on today's slate, and let's get a little bit more of a look at some advanced analytics that Eli Hershkovich of Radio.com uses to handicap his sides and totals and that'll be coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting.
2: Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline
1: back here on MOB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunya Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. It is a great pleasure to have on our next guest. He's joined me a couple times and he now does terrific work for Radio.com. He is a gentleman that covers some college basketball for them. He is really their gambling insider. He does a great job of producing their many shows as well. It is Eli Hershkovich now up there in the wonderful state of Pennsylvania and you can follow him on Twitter at Eli Hershkovich. That is all one word, Eli Hershkovich. And Eli, how are
0: you doing today? Doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Always down to talk some baseball betting.
1: Oh, it is great to have you. And it is great that we've got so many games out there on the board. And how have you been gauging so many of these teams in the National League? Because what we're noticing is that the National League, the wild card chase is very, very wild, to say the least. We've got Essentially every team except for the Miami Marlins in the hunt. We're seeing teams like the San Francisco Giants getting hot. The Milwaukee Brewers were able to take a couple games from the Atlanta Braves, but I certainly have some concerns with them. I have some concerns with so many other teams like the Colorado Rockies. How have you just been gauging this in general? It's incredible. One team I am invested in
0: long term. I mean, if you think about the, the NL wildcard races, you mentioned the Nats who I bought at 21 to one to win the National League back Right before July 4th, I believe a couple of days before that, the Nats have climbed all the way up to a game and a half in the first spot for the NL wildcard race. A game and a half up on Milwaukee and Philadelphia. The Cardinals are a half game back along with the D-backs and the Giants two and a half back. Those three teams of that second wildcard spot. So you think about motivational spots and when I mean that I'm talking about situational betting in baseball. When I'm trying to find spots for totals, which I primarily like to bet on, you're trying to find situational spots and motivational spots for pitchers to target. And obviously, there's going to be more motivation behind pitching in a playoff
1: race. I completely agree with you. And I do think that a lot of these totals have become so interesting as well, because as we know, things are going up and up and up with these totals. The juice ball theory, I feel like, is very real. And... Some of these ballparks have been affected more than others, and the one that obviously has been affected the most is Coors Field because what I find with Colorado Rockies is that they are in the bottom 10 in regards to runs per game and in the top five in regards to ERA, whenever they are on the road. But at home, they've got the most runs per game of any team out there in the big leagues, and they've got the worst ERA of any team at home out there in the big leagues. I just feel like these games at Coors Field have all of a sudden become the twilight zone of Major League Baseball. You know what's interesting, Greg, is with these Rockies, just think about it beyond
0: Coors Field, uh, within their home ballpark and outside of it. In terms of the over-under, they've hit the under 43 times, they've hit the over 49 times, and they've pushed in terms of the total four times. So while that doesn't scream under, it shows you that even in Coors Field, when the totals are always overpriced because of that ballpark, it's not like they're hitting the over every single time this season. And by the way, they're the only team in baseball they're over-under mark this season match through five innings and full game. Again, they've hit the under 43 times, the over 49 times, and pushed four times each through five innings and through the full game. So it's an interesting trend to look at when you look at a Rockies team that has a struggling rotation, but when you find the right matchup, you can be profitable on the under because of that ballpark always being overpriced in terms of the total.
1: We do have Eli Hershkowitz training me right here on the podcast. And the game that they have going down on Friday against the New York Yankees is, inter- is interesting because you've got Kyle Freeland going against Jay Hap. Jay Hap is a guy that's giving up right around two of them runs per night innings. He's had some good starts. He's had some bad starts. Kyle Freeland has just been a wreck all year long. He comes off the injured list. Gives up a whole bunch of runs in his first start. He just hasn't looked right all year long. ERA above seven. But we also know that the Yankees have a great bullpen. Guys like Adam Adovino, Tommy Kamele and company have been terrific. And the Rockies, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. One of the top teams in regards to ERA in the big leagues whenever they hit the road. With a total of 11, I have to look a little bit more at an under. I don't know what your take on this game is. I know that the Yankees are doing a great job on offense, but this is a game in which I think the total might be a little bit too badly inflated.
0: And one of the things for me when I'm, when I'm breaking down totals and I mentioned this to you a bunch, Greg, whenever I'm on your podcast, fantastic podcast, of course, I'm looking at fit when I'm looking at a starting pitcher, especially if I'm gauging the total through five innings, I'm looking at the starting pitcher and I'm looking at the ERA and then I'm comparing it to his fit because The ERA can also be overinflated because it includes ground balls and everything that goes into ERA. It includes what the defense does behind him. For fifth, that's fielding independent pitching. And you're talking about just what the pitcher can control in terms of strikeouts, walks, flyouts, and home runs. So just the variables that the pitcher can control. And if you look at Kyle Freeland this year, his ERA 739. Obviously, that's one of the worst in baseball among starting pitchers, but then you look at his FIP, and it's 6.14, which isn't the best. It's not like that's a ton of positive regression when you're seeing if you might be able to get a little value in a start, especially with a short porch at Yankee Stadium, but it still shows you that with the total possibly being a little bit more overinflated because of how they're priced at course Field, it still might be an opportunity to look towards the under, I am an under guy. And I would consider the under as well. If you think about Jay Hap, a 493 ERA and the fifth isn't that much higher at 517. So it's not like there's going to be a ton of negative regression and Hap obviously knows the ballpark. I would lean towards the under in that scenario.
1: I certainly would as well. And a game that I think is going to be very interesting with regards to their total as well. One that takes place right there in your state, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Are going to be facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. From what I'm seeing right now, the Phillies are right around minus 102 to even, depending on where you look. And I'm seeing a total of 10 on this game. It is going to be Jake Arrieta versus Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles is a guy that I've been taking a look at. His sets the second half of years, and as a starter in the second half of years, he has an ERA above six. He's been awful. Jake Arrieta, meanwhile. He certainly has been giving up quite a few runs himself so far this year. I don't know what you make out of this one, but I like what I've seen out of the Phillies recently, and I just cannot have any faith in Jordan Lyles, a guy who was oh and fifteen, I believe, and his career starts in the month of July.
0: Interesting points, Greg. I'll go contrarian on you though. I like the Phillies Pirates. This is the one game on the slate that I'm truly digging for Friday's card. I like the Phillies Pirates through five and eights under five and a half. I get Jake Arietta has the four five four ERA. He looked really good on Sunday, though. I was actually at the Phillies-Nats game. Only pitched five innings, gave up the one earned run. But he could have gone deeper in the game if the Phillies didn't have a tremendous scoring opportunity in the bottom of the fifth inning and Kapler decided to pitch hit Miller for Arietta. Now, he probably would have been limited for five innings regardless because Kapler called him 85% going into that start. But the fifth is right around the ERA. There's not a ton of negative regression. Right there, he's got something to prove in the second half after an awful first half. And he really has underperformed that contract that he signed in Philadelphia. We're actually seeing a similar trend. Arietta and Darvish both signed around the same time in Chicago and Philadelphia, respectively. And look how good Darvish has been for the Cubs in this second half. I hit on the under through five innings and uh, in Cubs-Reds on Wednesday. And Darvish had a no-hitter through three. So you're seeing positive aggression for Darvish, although the FIP is higher than the ERA with him. And I like this similar trend here for Arietta because of that motivational factor going into the second half. And he started off hot against a good Washington offense on Sunday. And then I know Lyles has struggled in second halves, is like you mentioned, but the FIP is a heck of a lot lower than the ERA. Lyles coming into the start with a five-one six. ERA in a 4-4 4, four, four FIP. So again, it's what the pitcher can control. It's the variables that Lyles can control. The Pirates are possibly dangling him with the trade deadline coming up here in less than two weeks. So it's a motivational spot from his perspective to get the heck out of Pittsburgh, get on the move to a contender if he's able to pitch well. And the the metrics are aligned with that too. So I'm looking at spots and I'm looking at metrics and I think the under five and a half through five innings has a good chance of coming through in this one.
1: We do have Eli Hirschkovich joining me right here on the podcast. it's tremendous work for Radio.com and covers a whole lot of baseball. And you're a guy that you've been looking at a lot of these games all year long. And we're seeing a bunch of big underdogs on Friday. The Miami Marlins I'm currently seeing as a plus 240 underdog against Hun Jin Ryu and the L.A. Dodgers, rightfully so. Hun Jin Ryu has been terrific this year. But I do like what I've seen out of Zach Gallen. I don't know what you've made out of the Miami Marlins, but this is a team that over the course of their last 53 games, 26 and 27, won the more profitable road teams out there in the big leagues. Now, do they win this game 50% of the time against Hun Jin Ryu? Heck no. But am I crazy for thinking there might be a little bit of value here with the fish? No,
0: and there's always a sound opportunity to take a big dog like that. We saw it before Giolito really got hot with the White Sox, and they were around a plus 250 dog on the road in Houston. Now, I'm not saying that Gallon is is the next Lucas Giolito by any means, and we've seen negative aggression too to start the second half for Giolito. But when you have that big of a dog, and it's always going to happen against an elite starting pitcher, I think Giolito was going against Verlander that night. Ryu is the likely NL Cy Young award winner. If the award was claimed tonight, Scherzer might have something to say about that. Now he's hurt and there's obviously Castillo in the mix too with the Reds. But regardless, Ryu has been at the very least a top three pitcher in the national league so far this season. So there's obviously the opportunity to take the dog because you have such an elite starting pitcher on the bump for the Dodgers. And I would consider that more of a lean than anything, but there's not much positive or negative regression. Coming up here for Ryu, if I was looking to take in an underdog like that, like in Miami at plus 245 right now, and I would expect on the money line to move a little bit in Miami's favor. But if you're looking at Ryu's FIP versus his ERA, 178 ERA versus the 284 FIP. Now, obviously, that shows a little bit of negative regression because it's more than a point up. But it's not like it's in the threes. That's still essentially a 284 ERA in terms of what he's controlling. So, I would consider taking the dog just because it's that high right now, but I don't see much regression especially in this next start for Ryu.
1: And here's another game that has me fascinated. The Texas Rangers are going on the road against the Houston Astros. Everyone keeps telling me that regression is in for Mike Minor, and over his last two starts, he, they certainly <laughs> haven't been Quite as great, but he's going up against the Houston Astros. And let's face it, Justin Verlander over his last few starts has not been terrific. Now the whip is absolutely amazing. It's right around a .75, give or take a little bit, but just taking a look at Justin Verlander's last couple starts, he's given up really three runs or more in all but two of his starts ever since the beginning of June. And he's been giving up nearly two home runs for nine innings. Mike Minor meanwhile, he's been keeping the ball in the ballpark, certainly has been having his walks. But at this price, what I'm seeing, Texas Rangers between plus one ninety and plus two dollars might be a good shot to jump aboard Mike Miner and see if he can give you one more before their regression does set in. I can't back it, Greg. I know, I get it. I was one of those
0: people, I think at the last time I came on your podcast. I said, regression is coming. It's not just you. Don't worry. It's everyone in
1: the world that I bring on this podcast keeps telling me, nope, Mike Miner's not going to be able to do this. (laughs) Exactly. The 273 ERA,
0: the 382 FIP. But what gets me is the XFIP. I haven't brought up that metric yet. That's expected FIP. So from here on out, what he's or what he should have collected and what he's expected to do the rest of the way, the 443 XFIP tells me. That negative aggression is certainly on his way, and I'm not willing to bet on Mike Miner on the road in Houston against one of the most dominant lineups in baseball.
1: I don't blame you there. It's just something I had to throw out there because I'm going to be back on Mike Miner. I know that it might not necessarily be the sharp play or anything like that, but at the same time, I do like what I've seen out of Mike Miner, and we have one of the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues going against the New York Mets on Friday. If you've bet $100 on Taylor Beattie in every one of his starts, you're up almost as much money as with any other pitcher out there in the big leagues. Tyler Beattie, second most profitable pitcher in the big leagues. You're up $822 if you put $100 on all nine of his starts. He's going to be going up against Jacob deGrom, ironically enough, one of the bottom 10 least profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. This is a spot where I think it's really interesting because I don't know how and I don't know why, but... The San Francisco Giants have all of a sudden got hellaciously hot with the bats. I don't know about you, but this might be a spot where I need to look at the San Francisco Giants who enter into Thursday's action having won 12 out of their last 14 games.
0: Yeah. And when I talk about positive regression for pitchers, when I look at the FIP metric, BD has that a little bit written over him. I don't want to say all written over him. If you look at his ERA, the 544 ERA, but the FIP, At 530, so 5.30 on the FIP and then a 502 X FIP. And again, that's expected FIP. There is positive regression coming his way. And the way DeGrom has pitched, obviously there's positive regression coming his way too. But the motivational spot when you think about BD and I know the Giants organization has said that they're not willing to buy and they're still sellers. But over the next less than two weeks till the trade deadline, if you're sitting, around a half game back, a game and a half back of that second spot in the NL wildcard race. It's similar to the Nationals in the fact that they were sellers for June and a little bit into July. And then all of a sudden you're sitting that close to the second wildcard spot. And then look at them now, they're a game and a half up on that first NL wildcard spot. So the motivational spot behind Beatty, the over under right there is at seven and a half. I'm not willing to touch The total, even with DeGrom of the bump, and while BD is down for some positive regression here, just like Mike Miner, it's not a lock to me, but I would
1: consider the Giants at plus money at home. We do have Eli Hershkowitz joining me right here on the podcast. And is there anything else, maybe not of pick-wise, but just anything else in general that intrigues you on Friday? Because I'm right now taking a look at St. Louis versus Cincinnati. Seeing a total of ten and a half with the best under team in the big leagues with the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm also seeing that Tyler Molly, over his last twenty three starts, the Reds are four and nineteen in them. Obviously, those are some bad signs right there. You've got the Washington Nationals and Atlanta Braves. As Julio Teheran was supposed to start on Thursday, that is now going to be on Friday against Patrick Corbin. That game is off the board, but I'm very intrigued to see where that opens up at, and then you've obviously got the Detroit Tigers and a total of 10 for a Detroit Tigers team that, let's face it, they're about as offensive as Ned Flanders at this point. (laughs) If you look
0: at the Reds, and I'm not willing to touch the total here as I love my unders and I don't like betting on overs. It's just one of those things. When you find something that you like, you stick with it. And I've been red hot, by the way, with my unders. I'm not attempting to get the jinx. I'll knock on wood right now. But again, when you got something going, you try to keep it rolling. And right now I'm 18.59 units over, 56, 35, and 3 overall in baseball betting this year. And a lot of that has been geared towards betting on unders. So when I look at the Reds, I don't think I would touch the total in this game because of, like you mentioned, it's not like Sonny Gray is on the bumper. Castillo for Cincinnati, they've had positive regression written all over them this season. And they've shown it, Sonny Gray especially. In course Field, by the way, last Friday, When I bet on Gray and Cincinnati and the Rockies to hit the under, I believe the total was around 13.5, and and they combined for five runs. So the under was all there with a guy in Sonny Gray who's been one of the most underrated pitchers in the NL this season. But if you think about the Reds, they're 50, 35, and 8 in the under-over category, so I'm obviously plussing the under to begin there. They've hit the under 50 times. That's one of the best rates in baseball. And then when you think about it full game, they've hit the under 58 times in the over just 32 times. And that's because they have one of the better starting rotations in baseball and one of the better bullpens in baseball. So I'm not trying to attack Cincinnati and St. Louis on Friday night, but going forward, That is definitely a trend to keep your eye on when you see those higher totals because, like Greg mentioned earlier on, because of the high home run rate, totals are jacked up. You have an opportunity to get value on the Reds when the likes of Gray, Castillo, or whomever else has positive regression on their minds with the Reds rotation.
1: And when you play 90-plus games and over 60% of them go under, it's a sign that it's not necessarily a fluke. It's something that probably is here to say with such a big sample size. I think you would agree with that. A 100%.
0: Trends aren't the way that I look in betting because it doesn't tell the full story. Like the Reds, for instance, on Friday against the Cardinals, their trend says bet the under. But that doesn't mean you bet the under for every single game the Reds play because obviously you're not hitting a 100% of the time. And it's not like Maley has underwritten on him, even though Wainwright has some positive regression within his numbers. So you don't go on the trends. You look at the matchup and the trend, and if they align, that's how you include trends within your betting.
1: Absolutely, and I would like to close it up with this, Eli. Let the good people know where they can find you on social media and elsewhere. I know that you're doing tremendous work out there for Radio.com. You're doing a lot of producing for them. You're doing a whole lot of gambling content. I know that things are getting geared up for the football season, the college basketball season, and all that good stuff.
0: So I'm the sports betting editor over at radio.com sports, and you can follow us on Twitter at RDC sports. A lot of sports betting content coming your way, especially with college football and the NFL season right around the corner. A lot of surprises too. I don't like to tease the audience. I like to give them the information, but We should have that information coming out to you soon, so get ready. Sports betting is coming to Radio.com Sports in a big way. And you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Eli Herskovich. That's at E-L-I-H-E-R-S-H-K-O-V-I-C-H.
1: Terrific. A big thanks to Eli Hershkovich for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on Friday's Las Vegas Betting Board in something I like to call touch them all.
2: Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it.
1: And a big thanks to Eli Hershkovich for joining me in the last segment as we're back here in the Yuzuki Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call Touch them all.
2: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
1: Note that any changes are made to these plays going to be listed on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore D1. Some of these plays, they are all locked in, good to go, bet on everything like that. Some of these games, we are in wait and see mode. Waiting on some line moves, lineup changes. Typically it's line moves, but sometimes there are other factors involved with it. And I will be keeping you guys abreast of what is all locked in and what is all pending as we go along. As we start in Las Vegas rotation order with 951, 952 on the bang rotation. It is the San Diego Padres. And they head to Chicago to face off against the Cubs. John Lester goes for the Cubs. Eric Lauer for the Padres, currently seeing the Cubs as between a minus 150 and minus 152 favorite. If you like the Padres anywhere between plus 140 and plus 142, this total is off the board since it is a game that's going to be played at Coors, since it is a game that is going to be played at Wrigley Field. And this is a spot where I certainly do have to take a look at the Chicago Cubs. They're winning right around 66% of their games at home. And I will say Eric Lauer has been doing a very good job of delivering some quality starts for the San Diego Padres. You take a look back, ever since May 10th, he's had one start in which he's given up more than three earned runs, and two starts in which he's given up three earned runs or more. So... He certainly has been doing his job there, but with the San Diego Padres, you've got so many guys that are untrustworthy out there in the bullpen, like your Robert Stocks, your Phil Maintenance guys like that, and John Lester has been a much better home pitcher than road pitcher. He is lending himself to a little bit of hard contact, has given up 17 home runs in 101 innings so far this year, but I like the form that he's shown in July. He's made two starts, went at least six innings, and each given up three runs or fewer ever since June 8th, he has given up more than three earned runs in just one of his starts as well. Most of those have been home starts, so he certainly has been good at Wrigley Field. And the Chicago Cubs team in general certainly has been supplying the boom. Javi Baez, 22 home runs for him so far this year. 285 average, you throw in there Chris Bryant. He's hitting a 299. He has went deep 22 times himself. And then you've got Wilson Contreras and Victor Carantini. Both are very capable Catchers, both these guys have a batting average above a .275. And in the case of Wilson Gutierrez, he has nearly 20 home runs himself. Anthony Brizzo has certainly been doing a tremendous job with his bat, 285 batting average. He has went deep 19 times so far this year. I will say that Kyle Schwarber certainly has not been doing a great job in regards to batting average. But he's got 20-plus home runs himself to go with his two thirty-one average. And then you got a bunch of guys hitting between a .245 and a .255 save a body Albert Almora Jr. and Edison Russell all fall in that realm. And then you got Jason Award hitting a 275 himself. So he's been doing a solid job there. And with the Cubs, you got to feel like Craig Kimbrell is really going to be a difference maker for this team down the stretch. I like the way that he's pitching out there in the bullpen. And the guys in general, your Kyle Ryan's the company, they haven't necessarily been great, but I like what I've seen out of them recently. And with the San Diego Padres, they are a team that does a good job of being able to belt out home runs. Hunter Renfro and Femio Reyes have a combined... 53 home runs between the two of them. I do like the way that Manny Machado has been able to pick things up with his bat as well. He is now hitting at .270. He has went deep 23 times. Eric Cosmer, .283 batting average, over 60 RBI. And then you've got Fernando Tatis Jr. who does everything at the leadoff spot. .325 average, 15 home runs, 15-plus stolen bases. But then you've got a lot of guys that need to pick up their batting average. Josh Naylor sitting at .231. And then you've got Will Myers, Austin Edwards, Francisco Mejia, and Ian Kinsler all hitting a two fifteen or lower. Manuel Margot has his average up to a two fifty one, which is nice. And then you've also got Greg Garcia sitting more in the realm of a two sixty five, but I just don't know if it's going to be enough because the Padres do a good job of being able to supply some power, but not such a good job of being able to drive guys around and getting on base. So for that reason, looking at the Cubs in this spot, I'm right now determining whether to go money line or run line just because I do need to see the conditions on this game. If we're seeing the wind blowing in, I'll probably be looking at an under if the wind's blowing out. I think there might be a better chance of getting some home runs off of both these guys. So, it wouldn't seem out on the total, but certainly looking at the Cubs in some form or capacity. 953-954 on the betting rotation. The Pittsburgh Pirates play to the Philadelphia Phillies. Jake Arrieta goes for the Phillies. Jordan Lyles for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Total in this game is 10. The under has juice of minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the going could be laying minus 107. Philadelphia Phillies, minus 103. And this is a spot where I certainly do have to take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. I know that myself and Eli Hershkovich do disagree on this one, but I do not like what I'm seeing out of Jordan Lyles whatsoever. 5-6 record, 5-1-6 ERA. He certainly has been giving up the walks. He's giving up right around, I would say, 3.8 to 4 walks per nine innings. And You just take a look at his starts in July. A combined four and two-thirds innings. He's given up 14 runs. Even in the month of June, he gave up three-plus runs in every one of those starts, the last time, Jordan Lyles gave up fewer than three earned runs in a start May 17th. That is not good right there. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, they just don't have enough bullpen arms to be able to cover if he doesn't go six-plus innings, which I don't think he's going to in this spot. Jake Arrieta has been a little bit shaky, but he certainly has been doing a little bit better in regards to being able to eat innings for this team. He has an 8-7 and seven record. ERA in his last nine and a third innings, which has been the two starts that he's had in the month of July. He's given up a combined six earned runs there. He certainly had a decent stretch in the month of June, but then regression really hit in as his last two starts in June. He went six innings, but he gave up a combined nine runs in those two starts as well, so I do think that runs are going to be a plenty and we saw the Philadelphia Phillies Really start to ignite on offense in that series against the LA Dodgers. You have to like the way that Bryce Harper is really starting to hit the ball. He's got his batting average up to a .258. He has been pounding out a double-digit amount of home runs and 69 RBI. Scott Kingery has his average at a .288. And then Gene Segura, JT Riamuto, Cesar Hernandez are all guys that are in between a .269 and a .279. Reese Hoskins is hitting at 261, 20 home runs. It's been a little bit, been in a little bit of a funk with regards to home runs, but all in all, he certainly is being able to supply some power and it's done a great job of drawing walks. On-base percentage right around a 400. Mikel Franco hitting right around 8235. and then Hazelli at the outfield spot is hitting at 220. You've got him, Roman Quinn is hitting below the Mendoza line, which is 200 and well below it in that regard. Nick Williams is hitting below a 200 as well, but I do like the way that, Phillies have been coming into their own, and with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you have a lot of guys that are doing a good job of getting on base. And the Pittsburgh Pirates have seen over seventy percent of their home games hit the over so far this year. That's absolutely insane. It's because you've got Kevin Newman, Brian Reynolds, Jose Azuna, Milky Cabrera, all hitting above a three hundred. In the case of Newman and Brian Reynolds, above a three thirty. Jacob Stallings is hitting a three twenty two. Josh Bell, twenty seven home runs, over eighty RBI. He has a two ninety three batting average. Jungle Kong is still below the Mendoza line, but since the All-Star break, he's been playing a little bit better. Starling Marte, 275 average for him, 16 home runs. You've just got a lot of guys that do a tremendous job of getting on base for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you got a pair of bullpens that are not very good, so for that reason, looking at the Phillies and the over in this spot, currently in Wayne C mode, seeing a little bit of steam coming in on the Pirates in this spot, and I'm seeing a little bit of money coming in on the under as well, so... I think I can probably get a little bit of better prices on both of these. 955, 956 on the bank rotation. The Cincinnati Reds play host to the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright goes for the Cardinals. Tyler Molly for the Cincinnati Reds. Your total on this game is 10 and a half. The under is used at minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Cincinnati Reds, going to be laying a small number at minus 108. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals are at minus 102. And this is a position where I do have to take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. Pointed it out a little bit earlier. Tyler Molly, four and nineteen. The Reds are in his last 23 starts. That is obviously not a ringing endorsement. And with regards to pitchers for full game unders, Adam Wainwright has actually been pretty darn good this year, which I find a little bit befuddling because he does have a six and seven record. 399 ERA, but he's kept the ball in the yard. He's given up 12 home runs and 94 and two-thirds innings. He really hasn't had too many blow-up starts. He hasn't necessarily been lighting the world on fire, but he's just a steady guy that gives you six innings giving up two or three runs. Meanwhile, Tyler Molly has had his issues giving up the home run. Right around 1.65 home runs per nine innings. He certainly has had some bad starts himself, and with the St. Louis Cardinals, they certainly are not healthy. Yadier Molina, Marcelo Zuna have been out of the fold for quite a while in regards to the lineup, but You still do have a couple guys that are doing a decent job of getting on base. Jose Martinez hitting above a 280. You got to feel like Paul Goldschmidt at some point is going to Really emerge and have just a big run. He's hitting at 250. He's went deep 17 times so far this year. Tyler O'Neill spent a nice shot in the arm. He's hitting above a 300, providing quite a few home runs whenever he gets a chance. Paul DeYoung only 13 home runs at a 250 batting average, and Colton Wong hitting at 246 himself. But I feel like these guys are going to emerge. Matt Weiders is hitting at 225, but Dexter Fowler has his average r- hovering right around a. 250, and so does Tyler Edmond. Then you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds. They certainly have a lot of guys that are hitting between a 245 and a 260. It's absolutely amazing how many guys they have fall in this neighborhood. Jesse Winker, Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, Yasiel Puig, and their backup catchers in Kirk Casale and Juan Garretto. All in that neighborhood. And then in the case of Eugenio Suarez and Yassi Puig, both have 20-plus home runs. scooter Jeanette. It's looked like himself coming off the injured list. Buck's 56 batting average. On-base percentage below 200. But Phil Bervin hitting 365 thanks to that series against the Colorado Rockies, but I think that'll regress. Jose Iglesias hitting a 282 himself. And what I do like about both these teams as well, top 10 bullpens in regards to ERA out there in the big leagues. You have to try to avoid Dylan Hernandez if you're the Cincinnati Reds. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Andrew Miller's been a little bit shaky, but all in all, I do like these bullpens. And I just think that Adam Wainwright is going to be able to deliver a better start than Tyler Molly. So for that reason, going to be riding with the St. Louis Cardinals and the Soto Under. Would certainly like to lay a little bit less juice on the under. And currently trying to see if I can get a little bit of a plus price on the St. Louis Cardinals rather than laying a very, very small number. But we're going to be taking both of those. 957, 958 on the betting rotation. It is the Washington Nationals hitting the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves. Ulio Teheran goes for the Atlanta Braves. Patrick Corbin for the Washington Nationals. Since Ulio Tehran was supposed to start on Thursday and had his start pushed back a day, this game is currently off the board, but... This is a very interesting spot. When we saw the game go off the board yesterday, it was he versus Steven Strasburg. You're seeing Julio Tehran as about a plus 120 underdog. And with Tehran, he's 5-6 and six with a three seventy one ERA, but a lot of that is due to his bad start in April. When you take a look at everything he's done ever since the month of May began, he's had two starts in which he's given up more than two earned runs and all but four of his starts, he's given up zero or one runs. He's done a very good job there, giving up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. Now giving up over four walks per nine innings, obviously not a ringing endorsement, but the Atlanta Braves also back him up with one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues, Washington Nationals. Their bullpen has certainly looked better as of late, but they certainly had some chinks in the armor a couple nights ago against the Baltimore Orioles. Still not a very trustworthy group, but I do like what I've seen out of Patrick Corbin. Ever since the back half of June, his last four starts, he has been absolutely terrific. He's given up more than one earned run in his last four starts. He's giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings himself. 3.39 3.39 ERA. And with the Atlanta Braves and the Washington Nationals, these are two of the hottest offenses out there in the big leagues. With the Atlanta Braves, it all starts with Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman has went deep 25 times, 297 batting average going into Thursday with 74 RBI. You've got Ronald Acuna Jr., James V. Swanson, and Josh Johnson, all with between 55 and 57 RBI. Swanson, 266 batting average, 17 home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr., 287 batting average, 23 home runs, 17 stolen bases. Donaldson has went deep 22 times ago go with this 255 average. You've got Brian McCann hitting a 263 for this bunch as well at the catcher spot. He has been very solid. Whenever you have Austin Riley out there hitting about 250, 16 home runs for him, he's cooled off a little bit, but still a very good bat. Nick Markakis is hitting a 285. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto both have an on base percentage nearing 400. These two men have a combined 37 home runs and between them 125 RBI, and both are hitting above a 300. Trey Turner and Adam Eaton both hitting a 280 or better at the top of the lineup. Ryan Zimmerman has looked a little bit better ever since coming off the injured list. Now you do have Brian Dozier. The <laughs> Jan Gomes, Michael A. Taylor, all guys are in a 235 or lower for this bunch, and Matt Adams right in that neighborhood as well. But Kurt Suzuki at the catcher spot is hitting right around to 265, but I just think that this is a spot in which the Atlanta Braves are going to get another good start out of Ulio Ron, and I do think that this will be a little bit of a lower scoring one. Currently, we have no lineup on the board, so I always, always check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at he one for set plays there, but early leans are to the Atlanta Braves and the under. 959, 960 on the bank rotation. The Milwaukee Birds set the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Taylor Clark goes for the D-backs. just seen for the Milwaukee Brewers. Your total on this game is 10 over and under, both at minus 110, with the Brewers going to be laying right around minus 120. Meanwhile, the plus price with the Arizona Diamondbacks is plus 110, and you've got yourself a pair of pitchers that have not necessarily been getting the job done. Now, I have noticed in the past two years, the Arizona has served itself as a little bit more of an under ballpark, but... You've got two starters out here that trot out there in ERA above five and Justine is giving up right around 1.85 home runs per nine innings. I will say in the month of July, he's won a combined 11 innings and his two starts giving up three runs. Not necessarily terrible, but we've seen the Milwaukee Brewers outside of Josh Hader, Bullpen with guys like Matt Albers, junior care and company has not looked good. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, TJ McFarlane, Matt Andrees, they're not getting the job done. And Taylor Clark, not giving a lot of length on his starts. He's giving up over two home runs per nine innings. And you just take a look at his recent game log. It's not very good for him. In his last start, he wound up not being able to make it out of the fourth inning against the Dodgers. As a matter of fact, he has not went more than five innings in a single start ever since the month of May. And despite the fact that he's only went five innings or fewer in four out of those seven starts, he's wound up giving up three runs or more. And then you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers, You certainly do have some firepower out there in the lineup, along with the Arizona Diamondbacks. For the Diamondbacks, Eduardo Escobar and... Quetel Marte, both have 21 home runs. Escobar, 75 RBI to go with a 290 batting average. Quetel Marte, right around 70 RBI himself. He's hitting a 313. You've got Christian Walker and Adam Jones hitting between a 260 and a 265. In the case of Walker, he has been supplying the boom with 18 home runs. You've got like that Tim LaCastro at the top lineup is hitting just above a 250. And then Gerard Dyson is hitting in that neighborhood as well. One of the top base dealers out there in baseball. Nick Ahmad, Adam Jones, and Carson Kelly are all in. between between 1867 and- and a 272. You also have to like that you're getting Jake Lamb reacclimated into the lineup as well off the injured list. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, that man, Christian Yelich, is a bad, bad man. 23 stolen bases, 34 home runs, 73 RBI, 331 batting average. And then you also pair him up with Yasmani Grandal and Lorenzo Kane, who are both hitting right around a 250 in the case of Grandal. 19 home runs. Mike Moussakis, 267 batting average, 25 home runs for him. Eric Thames and Ryan Braun both hitting between a 265 and a 271 with 13 home runs apiece. Orlando Arsena has seen a dip in his batting average right around to 230, which is right where Jesus Aguiar is hitting. But then Kesson Hira, Right now supplying a home run every, I would say, 14 at-bats to go with his 323 batting average. But I just have a little bit more faith in the Arizona Diamondbacks in the spot. Justine really has been giving good starts against the Chicago Cubs and absolutely nobody else. These guys are not going to give you a lot of length, and I have a little bit more faith in the Arizona Diamondbacks in this spot. So for that reason, going to take the plus price with the D-backs, and I'm going to be taking this total over. Currently in Wayne C mode on both of these sets. the Diamondbacks struggles at home this year as they are a better road team than they are. Home team might lead to this Line dipping a little bit, and I could see this total perhaps being a little bit more favorable with regards to the juice. 961, 962 on the bang rotation. The LA Dodgers play hosts, the Miami Marlins. Zach Gallen goes for the Marlins. Meanwhile, Hun Jin Ryu on the bump for the Dodgers. Total in this game is eight. Over as juice of minus 115, the under is minus 105. If you like the Dodgers, gonna be laying a massive price. That is minus 280 with the Miami Marlins. You're getting a plus price of plus 240. And I mentioned it in the last segment with Eli Hershkovich. Hyunjin Ryu has been absolutely amazing this year. 178 ERA. If you take out that start they had at Coors, he's really given up no more than two earned runs in every one of his starts since May. He's been just terrific, giving up less than a home run per nine innings, less than a walk per nine innings, but Zach Allen himself has been pretty decent. He's made three starts for the team, 17 innings between them. He's given up two home runs. The 10 walks are a little bit high, but a 424 ERA certainly has been getting the job done, and we noticed with the Miami Marlins. They have been getting some very good bullpen pitching out of guys like Austin Bryce, Adam Conley has been a little bit of a whoa, but you even have other guys have stepped up, like even a Sergio Romo for that regard. And with the LA Dodgers, their bullpen got a little bit taxed in that series against the Philadelphia Phillies, especially with that long rain delay. And one of the most profitable teams out there in the big leagues with regards to hitting the road is the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins have an 18-26 road record, but considering you're typically getting them at these massive plus prices, they've been highly profitable for you. And Brett Anderson doing a solid job of hitting for the Marlins. 13 home runs, 250 batting average. You've got a couple guys that are doing an absolutely tremendous job with their batting average. Harold Ramirez, Garrett Cooper, and Miguel Roas all hitting a 285 or higher along with Cesar Puello. Jorge Alfaro and Neil Walker hitting between a 270 and a 275. Starlin Castro is hitting a 250 himself, despite the fact that he's not drawing a lot of walks. Do have a couple guys that really need to do pick it, that really do need to pick it up with the bat. Curtis Granderson, Roselle Herrera, Austin Dean, and Yadiel Rivera are all hitting a 215 or lower, but. They certainly have been seeing some very good contributions from the bats. And with the L.A. Dodgers, you certainly do have your matchers as well. All headlined by Cody Bellinger, 77 RBI, 333 batting average, 34 home runs. Jock Peterson has been in a little bit of a funk with regards to hitting home runs, but he has supplied 20 of those so far this year to go with his batting average of a 235. Alex Verdugo, Josh Turner, are both guys are in between a 295 and a 305. Now, Austin Barnes has been struggling as Hitting right around the Mendoza line. But Kike Hernandez had two home runs yesterday. He's upped his average to a .235. Matt Beattie is hitting above a .300 himself. He hit a couple home runs in that series against Philadelphia Phillies. Max Muncy, .265 batting average himself. He's got 20-plus home runs on the year as well. And A.J. Pollock has looked good ever since coming off the injured list. And we know how good the Dodgers are at home for the year. They currently are 37-12. and 12, But we saw them lose three straight games at home. Going into the All-Star break, I feel like they might be in a little bit of coast mode, and I do feel like there is a bad start coming for Hunjin Ryu, and I do think that this could be the time. So for that reason, going to be going with the massive plus price here of the Miami Marlins and the Soto over. I am currently Wayne Simo because I don't think that any public money whatsoever is going to be coming in on the Marlins. I do think that this Soto could dip a little bit, so I'll be able to get a little bit more favorable juice there, but going to play both of those. 963-964 on the bank rotation. The San Francisco Giants play to the Miami... My- playoffs in New York Mets. Jacob DeGrom goes for the Mets. Tyler Beattie for the San Francisco Giants. Total on this game is 7.5. Over his use of minus 115. Under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Mets, you're going to be laying minus 180 plus price with the San Francisco Giants ranging between plus 165 and plus 170. And I mentioned in the last segment, if you bet Tyler Beattie for all nine of his starts so far this year, according to our friends at Oddshark, you're up $822. Only pitcher more profitable out there in the big league so far, Andrew Cashner. I don't know how and I don't know why, but the San Francisco Giants have gotten white hot going into their game on Thursday. They had won 12 out of their last 14, and I believe that in 10 out of their last 15, they played at six plus runs. You've got a bunch of guys for the San Francisco Giants that really stepped up. Austin Dickerson and Austin Slater ever since joining the outfield, both hitting above a 300. Mike Stromsky Kevin Pillar and Buster Posey all hitting between a 256 and a 265 as well. And in the case of Pillar, he's slugged out 12 home runs. Pablo Sandoval sitting at 260 to go with his 11 home runs. Brandon Belt has provided 11 dingers himself. And then you've got Evan Longoria who's got 13 home runs. He's been doing a very good job of picking things up. And Brandon Crawford has his average hovering right around at 240 as well. That has been nice. And with the New York Mets, we all know how bad that bullpen has been. Now they have looked better in recent days, but I still can't trust in guys like Robbie Grossman, Edwin Diaz, and Juricez Familia which we all know is Spanish for blown save. And Jacob deGrom actually won the bottom 10 least profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues because he's been giving up two runs or fewer in nearly all of his starts since the beginning of June, but the bullpen continues to mess it up for him, and the Mets have been playing a lot of overs because of that bad bullpen and the fact that they've got a pretty lethal lineup themselves. You've got Amid Rosario, J.D. Davis, and Pete Alonso, all in between a 270 and a 276. And in the case of Alonso, 31 home runs. I will say Michael Conforto's hitting right around to 245 to go 17 home runs, which is both a blessing and a curse because the batting average isn't nearly there. and Wilson Ramos is hitting a 270 himself, but the backup catcher, Tomas Nito, whenever they need him, he's been doing a decent job of getting on base. 245 batting average. Jeff McNeil at the top lineup really is the engine that makes this thing go. 345 batting average for him. And the Todd father, Todd Frazier, hitting a 250 himself. Robinson Cano, a 245. But I just think that this is one of those spots in which. The San Francisco Giants continue their hot play. I do think that Jacob deGrom, a guy that has been giving out a couple more home runs than normal, right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings, might get dinged up a little bit. I certainly think that the Mets are going to get some runs off of Beatty, but I just think that this is another spot where we see a Mets bullpen implosion. So for that reason, could be taking the massive plus price here with the Giants and the over. We'd like to lay a little bit of less juice with the over, but we're going to be locking that one in when. The time is right, and we're going to be taking the plus price of the Giants just so not can see a lot of public money coming in. So weighing down a better price there. 965, 966 on the bag rotation. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be playing host to the Boston Red Sox. David Price goes for the Sox. Meanwhile, Jonathan Means for the Baltimore Orioles. Your total on this game is 10, and the Unders minus is minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Boston Red Sox, laying minus 220, the plus price on the Baltimore Orioles is plus 190. I really like what I've seen out of David Price. I know that he certainly didn't get off to the start. That he would have liked to against the LA Dodgers on Sunday night baseball, but a lot of that was not his fault. I believe that out of the runs that he gave up, and I think they were four, only one of them was earned. So certainly not on him all in all for the year, seven and two record, three-one six ERA. And if you take a look, ever since the month of June, he's given up more than two earned runs in just one of his starts. And heck, you even date it back to May 2nd. He's given up more than 200 runs in just one of his starts. And that start on May 2nd, he gave up three runs in six innings. So this is a guy that's looking very good. I will say this. Boston Red Sox bullpen looking very shaky. Guys like Ryan Brazier, Heath Embry, they are all coming back to the pack. But you know what else is shaky? The Baltimore Orioles bullpen, and they need Jonathan Means to really be on his P's and Q's for them to have some success here. In his last start against the Tampa Bay Rays, he got shelled, gave up six runs in six innings, but past that, he has been doing a very good job. You date things back ever since to the beginning of May. He has given up more than three earned runs in just that one start against the Tampa Bay Rays, and he's starting to give this team more like six or seven innings as well, but you do have to face off against a whiteout lineup in the Boston Red Sox set. They certainly do have their weapons. Xander Bogarts, 315 batting average, 21 runs 74 RBI. Rafael Devers, 17 dingers. He is really doing a great job of being able to get on base. 380 on base percentage. 325 batting average. JD Martinez has slugged out 19 home runs. His batting average is just below a 300 Mookie Betts has his batting average back up to a two eighty-five. Christian Vasquez hitting above a two ninety. I will say that Marco Hernandez has been a nice find as well. He's hitting a three thirty three. Brock Holt hitting above a three hundred as well. Michael Chavis hitting more in the realm of a two sixty to go with his double digit amount of home runs. Andrew Benatendi has been up and down this year, but he's hitting a two seventy as well. Sandy Leon has been laying the team down and Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting a two thirty himself, but I'll and all, all. I like what I'm seeing from this team. And then with the Baltimore Orioles, Hanser Alberto has actually been doing a very good job of batting against lefties. Nearly a 400 batting average against up 306. Batting average against all guys for the year doesn't walk a lot but certainly gets on base. Renato Nunez 245 batting average, 21 home runs, 51 RBI for him. You certainly do have a couple guys that need to pick it up with their batting average. Keon Broxon Stevie Wilkerson, Chris Davis, Richie Martin are all guys that are hitting a 2.32 or lower. C.V. Wilkerson has actually upped his average quite a bit, but the other guys, they're all hitting below the Mendoza line. Rio Ruiz is hitting a 2.40. Anthony Santander now hitting a 2.73. That is right around where Francisco and Pedro Severino are hitting as well, and then you got Trey Boomer and Mancini, who has 19 home runs, hitting a 2.85, and Jonathan Villar at 2.55 himself, but this is a spot where I certainly do have to take a look at the run line of the Boston Red Sox. I do think that they're That means it's going to give up a couple runs. I think Price gives a good start. And I just think that it's going to overwhelm the Baltimore Orioles a little bit. Looking at the run line of the Boston Red Sox, as of the time of this broadcast, it is currently off the board. So I just have no number for you there. But once I do get a number, going to be locking that in. And with regards to this total, going to be looking at an under. Certainly don't want to lay minus 120 on the total. Would rather have an unjuiced 9.5, if at all possible, a 10 without the juice as well, but certainly going to be playing both of those. 967, 968 on the bank rotation. It is the Detroit Tigers, and they're going to be playing also the Toronto Blue Jays. Marcus Stroman goes for the Blue Jays. Meanwhile, Jordan Zimmerman on the bump for the Detroit Tigers. Total in this game is 10. The under is just of 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Blue Jays, going to be laying at minus 145 on that. Meanwhile, the plus price with the Detroit Tigers is plus 135. And I just cannot pull the trigger on the Detroit Tigers at this point. They just are not doing a very good job with their bats for one. And two, you take a look at Ryan Zimmerman. He has just been knocked around like a pinata recently. Now the team did win his last start against the Kansas City Royals, but wasn't really a result of him because he gave up something like five runs in four innings. It was absolutely atrocious. 0-6 record, 7.01 ERA, 52 and two-thirds innings. He's given up seven home runs and he's given up 69 hits, which means that his WHIP is a 159. Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman, a little bit of a tough luck loser. He's given up less than a home run per nine innings. He's giving up. Just under three walks per nine innings, 110 and two-thirds innings, 325 ERA. And with the Toronto Blue Jays, you do have to like the fact that they are hitting some home runs. You've just got a whole bunch of guys on this lineup that have between 14 and 17 home runs. Lords Gurriel, Freddie Galvez, Rowdy Tellez, Justin Smoke, Randall Gritchick, all in that neighborhood. Now I will say this, Lords Gurriel and Freddie Galvis are the only guys hitting a 265 or higher. The rest of these guys are are all hitting below a 240, and in the case of Justin Spoke, below a 220, but you do have to like the fact that they are, at the very least, pounding out a couple home runs, flagger or junior. Hitting only a 240 is really, really befuddling, and then you've got a whole bunch of other guys that they just need to pick it up with their batting averages. The entire catcher spot for this team to Oscar Hernandez, Kayvon Biggio, Jonathan Davis, Brandon Drury, all in a 225 or lower, but then you have to like that Eric Sogard hitting nearly a 300 for this bunch as well, and with the Toronto Blue Jays we are also seeing some improved bullpen pitching from guys like your Sam Gavilios your Danny Hudson's and company and with the Detroit Tigers their bullpen is just getting so taxed it's not even funny because they just don't have any starting pitching you do have a guy in Miguel Cabrera that does a solid job of getting on base his batting average is hovering right around to 290 and right now they're just not getting a lot of power in general which is holding them back Brandon Dixon right now their best home run hitter he has hit 12 home runs this season he is batting right around at 240. You've got Nico Goodrum, who's upped his average to right around at 245, hit a home run yesterday against the Cleveland Indians, which is good. And you got Harold Castro hitting above a 310. Nick Cassianis a 282. But then you've got a lot of guys laying the team down with the bat. Jordy Mercer, Grayson Greiner, Gordon Beckham, Bobby Wilson. Roddy Rodriguez and Amir Kendallari are all guys that are hitting a 225 or lower. Victor Reyes at the top lineup now hitting a 250, which is decent, but Christian Stewart not slugging out a whole lot of home runs. And with the Toronto Blue Jays, they certainly have been up and down with the bat. Going into the All Star break, they had scored five or more runs in 12 out of their last 15 games. Ever since the All-Star break, I think that they've had two such performances, but I do think that Jordan Zimmerman and a bullpen that has been badly taxed could be the key to being able to get back to scoring a whole bunch of runs. So for that reason, going to be looking at the Toronto Blue Jays on the run line. Currently, this run line is off the board, so I have absolutely no number. We'll be locking that in when that is available. And with regards to this total... I do have to play this one under as well. When you take a look at Marcus Stroman, I think that he's going to be able to have an easy job holding down the Detroit Tigers, even though I do think the Blue Jays can score five-plus runs in this game. I would like to lay a little bit less juice on the under, so I'm waiting to see mode there. 969, 970 on the bang rotation. We've got a game that is completely off the board between the Chicago White Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. Ronaldo Lopez goes for the Chicago White Sox. For the Tampa Bay Rays, because they had a doubleheader yesterday against the New York Yankees, it is good old to be determined. I hear that he's a mystery, but delivers good heat. And for that reason, this game is currently off the board. I have noticed that the Tampa Bay Rays have won 48 out of their 56 games by two plus runs entering into the second game of their doubleheader with the Yankees. So certainly going to be looking at a Rays run line almost essentially as long as they trot out there a human being to the mound because Ronaldo Lopez He's giving up over two home runs per nine innings. He has also been issuing right around 3.7 walks per nine innings. 4-8 record, 5.97 ERA. Now, in his recent couple starts, he's been doing a better job of being able to limit some of the hard contact. He had a good start against Boston Red Sox a few weeks ago, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, they're just a team that's going to kill you with a million different cuts because they've got so many guys that do a good job of just being able to get on base in general. All these guys have between 13 and 16 home runs, and all have a batting average right in the realm of a 275 to a 285. Brandon Lowe, Tommy Pham, Yandy Diaz, and then Austin Meadows, who actually has a batting average of a 292. But then you got Kevin Kiermeyer hitting a 250. Mark ever since getting called up to the big leagues, hitting right around a 340. Now Joey Wendell and Mike Zanino laying the team down with regards to batting average. William Domus is hitting a 245. But you got to like the way that the Tampa Bay Rays. Just have so many serviceable arms that they're able to rely upon. And then with the Chicago White Sox... A very good mark for them is the fact that guys like Aaron Bummer, Evan Marshall and company have been very good bullpen arms. Now Josh Osich certainly has not been doing the job for this team along with Kelvin Herrera, but all in all, I do like the bullpen of this team. I just have my questions with Ronaldo Lopez. So this is a spot where I'm likely going to be looking at the Rays on the lot run line because with the Chicago White Sox, they were able to generate five runs yesterday against the Kansas City Royals, but this is an offense that really has gone cold. Yoan Moncada is hitting above a three hundred. He He's got 17 home runs so far this year. That's nice. Jose Abreu, 21 dingers, 275 average. Lores Garcia hitting at 285. But then you've got a couple guys that are doing a little bit of something. Yomer Sanchez, Ryan Cordell both hitting a 247, Ryan Goins 333 and a very limited amount of at-bats. John Jay with a similar batting average but then you've got Yonder Alonso, Wellington Castillo, and Daniel Polko are all doing absolutely awful. I will say A.J. Reed getting a home run in that series against Kansas City Royals was nice as well but I do have a lot more faith here in the Rays than I do the White Sox. If I'm seeing a total of 9, I'm probably going to be taking it under. 8 is probably going to be more of my over look, but this is a spot where I'm certainly going to be looking at the Rays in some form of capacity, and the total will depend on the number that is released. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNR81 for that. We move on to 971, 972 on the bank rotation. The Cleveland Indians play us the Kansas City Royals. Mike Montgomery makes his debut for the Kansas City Royals. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber-Fever goes for the Indians. Total on this game, Zynaf. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Indians, you're gonna be laying it here anywhere between minus two seventy and three dollars. Meanwhile, plus price with the Kansas City Royals. Anywhere between plus 230 and plus 250. And this is a spot where I certainly do have to look at the Indians. I took a look at Mike Montgomery's career numbers. He has not made a single start all year long. And he was actually just recently acquired from the Chicago Cubs. And when he was a starter, he had a career ERA above four. This is a gentleman that certainly wasn't doing a... Great job even out there in the bullpen itself. Just lends himself to a little bit too much hard contact. He has a walks issue. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber has looked very good. He was the All-Star Game MVP. In his start after that, he delivered a gem. This is a man that has been giving up a lot of hard contact, right around 1.45 home runs per nine innings. So he does need to improve upon that, but an 8-3 record. 3.49 3.49 ERA. You just take a look at what he's done recently. He's given up more than two earned runs in just one of his starts since the beginning of June. So high marks there with the Cleveland Indians. This is a team that is certainly getting its you-know-what together with regards to the bats. You've got Francisco Lindor at the top of the lineup supplying some power. He's hitting a 290 along with one Carlos Santana. And Carlos Santana has slogged out 21 home runs so far this season. Orlando Mercado is hitting at 285. Now I will say, you've got a couple guys that are struggling with the bat. Jake Bowers, Jason Kipnis, and Jose Ramirez all in between a 230 and a 240. But it feels like every one of these guys is starting to round into form. Roberto Perez is hitting a 250. 16 home runs for him. Taylor Naquin hitting just below a 290 himself. Jordan flow hitting right in the realm of a 260 as well. And then when you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, you've got some haves and haves-nots. They've really been doing a better job of being able to Supply some batting ever since the All Star break, but you still do have a bunch of guys that need to pick it up with their bats Cam Gallagher, Billy Hamilton, Ryan O'Hearn, Chris Owings. These are all guys that are hitting a 225 or lower. Mickey Lopez is hitting a 240 himself. You've got Ortega at the shortstop spotting right around 245. I will say though, Jorge Soler doing a great job with 26 home runs, 250 average for him. Hunter Dozier is hitting at 290. Alex Gordon more around a 275. Chester Cuthbert just below 300. And Whit Merrifield above a 300. But this is a Kansas City Royals team that has had to tax their bullpen a little bit recently and it did not look good in recent days. So for that reason, going to be riding with the Cleveland Indians on the run line here. Currently seeing a run line price anywhere between minus 125 and minus 140. This has quite a range, so I've already locked in that run line price, and I'm going to be going with the total over Mike Montgomery with him not giving a start all year long. I just don't think he's going to be long for this game, and I think that it's going to lead to the Kansas City Royals having to use some untrustworthy long relievers. I'm in wait and see mode there to see if I can get a little bit more favorable juice. 973 974 on the bank rotation. The Oakland A's hit the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. Jake Odorizzi goes for the Twins. Chris Bassett for the Oakland A's. Total on this game ranging between 10.5 and 11. On the 10.5, the over is just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and even. If you're looking at the 11, the under is minus 120. The over is even. With the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 125 and minus 138. So a volatile number here. Plus price with the Oakland A's. Anywhere between plus 125 and plus 115. And... I have been backing the Oakland A's a lot. This is a team that is white hot, but Chris Bassett certainly has shown a couple chinks in the armor. He's had a couple good starts, but this is a man that in 83 and two-thirds innings has given out 34 walks. That's right around 3.6, 3.7 walks per nine innings. I did like what I saw out of him in his last start against the Chicago White Sox, not giving up a run in six innings there. But beyond that, there have just been three starts over his last eight in which he's given up Fewer than three earned runs, and you even take a look at the month of May. He gave up three earned runs or more in all but one of those starts as well, so he certainly has had his struggles. Jake Odorizzi in the month of June certainly did not have the best time of it, but... For the year, he's been very solid, giving up right around 1.04 home runs per nine innings. His last start against Cleveland Indians gives up just one run in five and a third innings. Now, he did end the month of June giving up three runs or more at each of his last three starts, but he was as steady as a rock in the month of May. In four out of his five starts there, he gave up zero earned runs. And I do like the way the Minnesota Twins bullpen is going. I do also think that the Minnesota Twins are starting to cool down with the bat, but I don't think it's really going to matter in this spot because I think they're going to be able to get just enough offense in a little bit of a pitcher's duel. You got like that here. Adrian's is back in the fold. He's hitting a 280 for this bunch. CJ Crone hitting a 265 with 17 home runs. Barbara Gonzalez and Nelson Cruz both hitting between a 260 and a 270. And in the case of Cruz, 17 home runs. Mitch Carver hitting just below a 300 max. Kepler has slugged out 23 home runs, 260 average for him. Eddie Rosario has 20 plus home runs himself. He is hitting for right around a 280. Luis Areas has. Near is hitting nearly a 400 ever since getting called up to the big leagues on pace percentage going into Thursday of a 442. Absolutely amazing! There you've got so many weapons there. And with the Houston and with the Oakland A's, you do have to like the fact that you've got a bunch of guys right now that are hitting between essentially a 248 and a 259. Robbie Grossman, Matt Olson, Mark Canna, Chad Pinder, Jeff Feegley all in that neighborhood. And in the case of Matt Olson, he's hitting a home run every 12 or so at bats. Mark Hanna has certainly been coming around with his bat as well. He cannot hit 15 home runs. Now, Chris Davis has certainly had his struggles. He's hitting a 230. Ever since, I would say, the middle of April, he's got about six or seven home runs. It just has not went well there. But Ramon Loreno hitting a 270 with 19 dingers of his own. Marcus Simeon has done a good job of setting the table. 271 average, 14 home runs for him. So, all in all, you do have a pretty good Oakland A's lineup, but I do think that you've got a pair of very good bullpens going at it. I think that Jake Odorizzi gives a better start than Chris Bassett, so for that reason going to be riding with the Minnesota Twins and the under. Currently seeing a lot of seam coming in on the Oakland A's and seeing this total continue to climb, so I'm in waiting and see about on both of these. 975-976 on the bagging rotation. The Houston Astros are going to be playing also the Texas Rangers. Mike Miner goes for the Rangers. Justin Verlander for the Houston Astros. Total sort of on this game is 8.5. Over and under, both at minus 110 if you're looking at the Astros. Good going to be laying anywhere between minus 215 and minus 230. Meanwhile, your plus price with the Texas Rangers is anywhere between plus 187 and plus $2. And I was talking about this in the last segment with our good buddy Eli Hershkovich. I'm hearing everyone, including him, saying, regression's coming in for Mike Miner and everything like that. But just look at Justin Verlander. He's giving up two home runs per nine innings. I know his whip is a 0.81, 298 ERA, but he certainly has had his struggles as well. Mike Minor and his last two starts certainly have not been as planned, but I mean ever since the beginning of the month of June, ever since June 6th to be exact. Justin Verlander has had one start in which he's given up fewer than three earned runs. That is telling right there, and we're noticing the Houston Astros bullpen certainly is not looking good. The Texas Rangers have come back to earth themselves. I believe that they've lost 11 out of their last 15, and they certainly aren't the best road team in the world. Going into this game, they're going to be 19 and 25 with regards to road games, but they do have a couple guys who are doing a very good job of hitting it. It's all led by Joey Gallo, 22 home runs, 267 average. 49 RBI. Noma Zara has been able to slug out something as well. 258 batting average. 12 home runs. 51 RBI. Elvis Andrews doing a very solid job of getting on base. His batting average is a 296. And Danny Santana has been a very nice find for this team. He is hitting above a 300. He wound up pounding out two home runs against the Arizona Diamondbacks a few days ago. He's got 13 on the year. Got a couple guys that really do need to pick up their batting average. Ron Guzman. Jeff Mathis. Tim Fedorowicz. Ezraba Cabrera. Rudnett Odor. All guys that are hitting a 223 or lower, but in the case of door could certainly pick it up in a hurry. Logan Forsythe is hitting a 260. He's back in the fold. And now the team also has back Hunter Pence. He was missing for nearly a month. He's got 15 home runs, nearly a 290 batting average. Gotta think that that's gonna be a shot in the arm to LG Shields Jr. Hitting a 260 also helps. And then with the Houston Astros, they are rounding into form with their bats as well. You gotta like that Alex Bregman is hitting a 265, 24 home runs for him, 60 RBI. And then you also have George Springer and Jose Altuve back. They've really picked things up. You have to also be intrigued by Jordan Alvarez. Sitting a home run every 11 at-bats. 323 batting average. Similar batting average for Michael Brantley as well. Then you got Yuri Gurriel, who's just white hot. He and Josh Reddick hang between a 285 and a 290. In the case of Gurriel, 16 home runs this year. But then you got Taylor White, Max Sassy, and Tony Kemp. that are all hitting a 235 or lower. But I do think that this is a spot where, once again, Justin Verlander gives up a couple too many home runs. We've noticed that the Texas Rangers have been really struggling against lefties, but they've been able to hit righties. I do think that this is a good spot for them. So, going to be riding with the Texas Rangers, big plus price and the under. Currently, not seeing a lot of movement on the total. Would like to be able to see if this climbs up just a tad because... The reputation of the Houston Astros, and I'm currently seeing money coming in on the Astros, Hoping to get as big of a plus price on the Rangers as possible. We move on to 977, 978 on the bang rotation. The LA Angels are on the road facing off against the Seattle Mariners. For the Mariners, it's gonna be Mike Leake, and for the LA Angels, we've got good old to be determined. I hear that he's a little bit of a mystery, but delivers good heat, and for that reason, this game is currently off the board. Now, a big factor in this game is going to be whether or not the Angels are going to have the services of Mike Trout because he missed the first two games of that series against the Astros but returned for the third. He's a guy with an average above a 300, 30 home runs. This guy does everything. So with him playing yesterday, you got to think that he's going to be in the fold, but you've also got a couple other matchers. Cole Calhoun and Albert Pujols, both inning between a 238 and a 245, and they've got a combined 35 home runs. Daniel Fletcher and Choi Otani are both hitting above a 290 themselves, and Dalton Simmons hitting a 290 as well. Dustin Garneau hitting a 275. Brian Goodwin in that neighborhood as well. Luis Garangifo hitting a 265. So all in all, you do have a very solid lineup for the LA Angels that should be able to get to a gentleman in Mike Leak that's given up right around two home runs per nine innings. I will say this. His walks have really been limited. He's given up 1.4 to 1.5 for per nine innings, but he's not much of a swing and miss guy. 7-8 record. 4.60 ERA, and you just never know when Mike Leak is going to show up with the good Mike Leak or the bad Mike Leak. Last time he faced the Angels, he recorded two outs and gave up four runs, and that was the game in which the LA Angels had their combined no-hitter, and with the Seattle Mariners, you do have a couple guys that are doing a solid job of being able to hit for this team. Domingo Santana hitting a 275, 19 home runs, over 65 RBI. He's doing his job. J.P. Crawford is seeing a dip in his average, but he's still hitting a .261. Daniel Vogelback certainly seeing a dip in his average as well, but he's got 21 home runs to go with his .240 average. There are a couple guys that are just hellaciously bad with the bat right now, Dill Moore, Kyle Seager, Mack Williamson, all guys that are hitting below the Mendoza line, but Malik Smith, one of the best beats are out there in the big leagues. He's got 26 home bases to go with his nearly two forty batting average. Omar Navarro and Thomas Murphy, Combined for the third most home runs at the catcher spot in the big leagues, Murphy hitting more of a 270, Omar Tavares right around a 295, and Tim Beckham has been doing a decent job of being able to provide some home runs despite the fact that he's only hitting at 233. But early leans on this game are going to be to the LA Angels in some form or capacity, and the total over with the Angels. You want to note that they have won 43 out of their 50 games by two plus runs entering into Thursday as well. So run line with them has been uber hot as we. Move Move on to the final game on the betting board, 979-980. It is going to be the Colorado Rockies, and they hit the road to face off against the New York Yankees. J.A. hep hep goes for the New York Yankees. Kyle Freeland for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 11. The under is just anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Rockies, well, you're certainly going to be getting a sky-high price. Anywhere between plus 190 and $2. If you'd like to lay it with the Yankees, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 220 and minus 230. And this is a spot where I just can't trust him, Kyle Freeland. He looked awful in his first start coming off the injured list. He looked awful before going on it, doing six records, 739 ERA. He is giving up way over two home runs per nine innings, 161 whip. He has issued 25 walks in those 63 and a third innings. There's just no redeeming qualities with him right now. J-Hap, meanwhile, he's given up a little bit too much hard contact as well. 1.9 home runs per nine innings, but he does have a 7-5 and record. 493 ERA. In his first two starts in the month of July, he's won five and a third in each of them, giving up a combined three runs in those starts. So he certainly has looked a little bit solid there. He showed some good signs in the month of May. He had a little bit of regression in June, but... He is going to be backed up by a New York Yankees bullpen that no doubt going to be a little bit taxed after having to play a doubleheader yesterday. But you still got so many guys out there in that bullpen that are able to produce like your David Hales have been doing a very good job. You can get some long relief out of someone like a Nestor Cortez Jr. who wound up pitching yesterday. But that means that you're going to have something freed up for a guy like Adam Adovino. And we know this with the Colorado Rockies. They certainly aren't the same offense away from home as they are at home. They're a bottom 10 team in regards to runs per game whenever they hit the road. And they do have quite a few players that are doing a good job of being able to belt out home runs. Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, and Nolan Arenado all have at least 20 home runs in the case of Charlie Blackman. He's hitting a 318. Nolan Arenado, a 307 to go a 71 RBI. And Trevor Story has been hitting right around a 290 himself. David Dahl, certainly supplying a good batting average. He's hitting above a 300. Remy Tapia has been hitting right around a 265 to a 275 all year long. Ryan McMahon is hitting a 265. Tony Walters, at 290. Now Garrett Hampson has had his struggles. He's hitting just above the Mendoza line. And then you got Chris Iannetta, who is at 250 whenever he's in the lineup. But with the New York Yankees this is a team that really is firing on all cylinders. Gary Sanchez, owinging around at a 245 going to the doubleheader, but 24 home runs for him. DJ LeMayu, 65 RBI, 13 home runs, batting average above a 320. Gio Urshela, still hanging above a 300 himself. D.D. Gregorius, since coming off the injured list, showing a couple signs of rust, but he's still hitting right around a 250. Edwin Encarnacion, only at 222, but he's got 28 home runs. On-base percentage of a 332 as well. Glaber Torres has been able to hit a 290. He's got 20 home runs. You've got to like the fact that Mark Talkman and Austin Romine seem to be picking things up with the bat a little bit. And Brett Gardner has his batting average up to a 245. and Aaron Hicks has been doing a good job in recent weeks as well. Now you have Luke Boyd back as well. 275 batting average for him to go along with 17 home runs. Hasn't hit a dinger in, the while, in a while, but you have to like what you're seeing with him just being back in the fold in general. This is a Yankees team that just has so many weapons that I think it's going to overwhelm the Colorado Rockies. So I'm going to be looking at them on the run line Currently seeing this run line price right around minus 130-ish across the board, seeing a minus 125, so I might be hopping on that 125 when I get off air. And then with regards to this under, I do think that this total could continue to tick up a little bit, so I'd like to be able to get a little bit of better juice there, but that will do it for the Friday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man Eli Hershkovich of Radio.com for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for me for the podcast, Feel free to tweet it in at unit one and let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.